with uh, Rebecca Kuhn today. Um, Rebecca, how's it going? I'm going pretty good. Good, good. Tell me, uh, what are we talking about today? Um, today, I did a lot of research on the portrayal of people with disabilities in film. Okay, so tell me. Okay, let's 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 stop right there. That's a very that sounds like a very interesting topic. So, you're talking about um, people with disabilities, right? Uh, depicted in film, or people with disabilities in film. How they're depicted. How they're mainly depicted. focused on how they're depicted. Okay, okay. So really, the accuracy of how um, whether or not you know if somebody has cerebral palsy or you know some sort of paralysis or some sort of autism or whatever it may be, like you're 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 you want to talk about how they're actually depicted on film by an actor who does not have these disabilities. Is that correct? In part, I'm more mainly focused on uh, just sort of like the vine of how the, their characters are portrayed, mm -hmm. just how they're written into films and how that can not be the best way because tend to, most of the time when actors with disability are like written into films, they're written there because of their disability. They're not characters who just happen to have a disability. They're there and stereotyped based on their disability. I see, okay. I read this really interesting article from uh, uh, Media Smarts. It's a C Canada Center for Digital and Media Literacy. Okay. And it talked about how basically everyone in film falls into a few uh, main categories for their stereotype. There are people who uh, are heroes uh, because they overcome their disability. Um, with yeah, I'll get to examples later. Sure. Or, um, they're villains, or yeah, or they're villains who can't overcome their disability, um, physical or mental or something. Or sometimes they're just seen as victims, um, either for comedy, like Mr. McGee, Forrest Gump, um, or like Bob from What About Bob. Or even in like famous dramatic works like uh, Tiny Tim from A Christmas Carol. Sure. Um, so you're so with the hero type, um, you're looking at um, um, there's a disability by the the character. Mm -hmm. There is um, some sort of um, conflict or situation that they need to overcome, right? And, and yeah, then most of the time. If they have a disability, that conflict is their disability. That conflict is their disability, right? Yeah, right, yes. right, right. So then they need to um, overcome, overcome that with with all of their might and 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 overcome that disability to um, you know help find a resolve of whatever conflict was going on. Yeah, um, that tends to. I remember um, reading this article. They did point out that this tends to make the audience feel good and draw in more viewers to tell people, hey, um, you audience members that don't have a disability, um, you might feel a little bit better because you don't have one. Yeah. Um, but I think that always is the case, right? You you see a situation that is tough by somebody, um, and it's not necessarily your situation. Uh, a person can sympathize or empathize, right, with that person, right, and then they they go and kind of root for that person, right? Yeah, and that would be good if it was used as a device, like mainly to, you know, root for the person, which I guess it is. But a lot of times they don't go past that. Um, like some movies, for example, like Wonder. It's a great movie because it starts to show a little bit more of how people just simply live with disabilities. They're humans, and they have, and it's. 
And their disability isn't a trial in their life, it's like their skin color. It's just something they're born with and they live with. Um, but the main pull to that movie is because the main character has a disability. It's not a main character with a disability is going through a horrible breakup and it's a teen chick flick or whatever. It's based, predicated on that disability. Can you give a little a, a brief synopsis of uh, Wonder for those people who have never seen Wonder before? Um, Wonder is a movie about a boy with like a facial disability and he's had like a lot of surgery so you might see him with some gear and stuff and he's basically starting his um, first time entering public school, uh, junior high I believe and it follows his journey as he makes friends, makes enemies and he has to deal with people and how they um, tend to judge him, just have like a general bias towards his disability. Um, so, you know, um, I was just thinking about this too when you were brought up Wonder for the first time. Um, how these films um, kind of get a remake uh, or makeover, um, you know, many decades after like an original story, right, comes out. Well, for instance, uh, Wonder oh, will always remind me of The Elephant Man. Oh, yeah, The Elephant Man. So. Um, you know, in that case, um, you know, I, I think that uh, when you're talking about one film, like The Elephant Man, who has some disfigurements uh, and has to go through um, judgments and, and societal judgments and, and uh, prejudices and things like that and discrimination, right, which is pretty much like what Wonder is doing. Yeah, um, The Elephant Man... It really does, I think for the time period especially, it really brought awareness to what the public tended to do to people with facial deformities and any type of like illness. They would, it would unfairly treat them like going to mental facilities and just no one looked at them as human. But the thing is, is as media has evolved, it hasn't evolved past treating people in film with disabilities like they're human. It basically focuses on what they've reiterated time and time again, that um, people with deformities, their lives are hard if we make it hard, like if the public is against it. Uh, but it really doesn't capture the accuracy of, um, as it mentioned on the website, living with a mental, or not, sorry, not mental, um, physical disability. I don't know. Um, so what else do you want to talk about here? Let's see. We have... Um, so, you know, in in terms of these, this portrayal, right, in film, right, um, do you think that they've done a pretty good job of, you know, um, or improved uh, on the portrayal of uh, people with disability? Um, I think that as we go on, there are some really good examples of how people are portrayed. Like, for example, in one of my favorite um, series, TV series, Avatar The Last Airbender, the main character, Toph, is a blind girl, and when you first meet her, she's kind of like of a rich family, um, by the way, a little bit preface to this plot, um, um, Avatar The Last Airbender is about four nations of people who can bend the elements, and there's one person called the Avatar who can bend all four, five elements, four elements? For those of you guys that don't know, that don't know um, you want to explain the bending of elements? It's, uh, you're able to manipulate um, the basic elements, earth, water, fire, wind. Um, yeah, so the avatar is the main person who can bend, because most people can only bend one element. You know, like, I, there are water benders, there are earth benders, there are fire benders, and there's air nomads. And so the avatar is 
a person who can bend all of them and they're supposed to keep balance in the world where everyone's kind of different. So what happens is somehow the Avatar gets taken away, the Fire Nation gets out of hand and starts conquering other nations, um, you know, showing imperialism over other nations, and the other nations are trying to fight back. And then Aang shows up, and it turns out, and um, he's the Avatar, and he's trying to restore balance uh, to, uh, I guess, de-invade the other continents. I'm grasping for a better word here. Yeah, it's not I common. Yeah, no, I don't think it's the word is DMV, probably, probably to, um, you know, protect the borders of, yeah. 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 invade is probably not the word, yeah. Not the word. Yeah, it's okay. That's fine. Uh, uh, but yeah, anyways, so, yeah. they're looking for someone to help him learn how to bend the elements, because although uh, he does, has the possibility, he has to be trained. And so they run into Toph, and they first see her as the daughter of a wealthy earthbender. And uh, they don't really expect much more because her parents treat her very much as like she's blind, she's scared, you can't do much with her. And then they go to an underground wrestling ring, figuring if you go there, you're going to find the strongest, most powerful earthbender, you're going to get training. And they find Toph, the earthbending legend. And although the show shows how she has a lot of strength and she was shown it, um, she was given an opportunity to find a deeper level of bending because of her blindness. It wasn't predicated on her blindness. It was predicated with her parents, parent, how they parented her with her disability. And they don't really mention it for the rest of the show as she leaves and goes with the group to go be in the fire. Um, they, mean, they mention it in jokes, but it has nothing to do with her struggles. It has nothing to do with why we admire the character. Um, and they do accept it as a fact of life, but it's just sort of a fleeting one. So do you think that uh, they should have, you know, gone a little bit more deeper in terms of, um, you know, looking at the disability, looking at, you know, what was going on um, with that character and, and how uh, that person's uh, character, that character made decisions in the long run? Or do, or do you see it more like, um, I wish they would have delved a little deeper into that that disability and kind of... Um, just showcased it, not showcased it, but really, you know, um, hit on it a little bit more just so that we had more information about that person. Well, it definitely, you can see roots of her personality resulting from um, how she was treated with her um, disability. But I feel that they did a good job just incorporating the disability into like, like what a normal person would do with it and less dramatized and focused on as other media. So I felt like it, the reason that it was good is because it didn't focus on the disability as much. But you could still see the roots in the development of how she grew, but it more focused on her conflict with her parents over how she wanted to live her life with her disability. But then at the same time, as her character grew, yeah, it, it was. I felt it was a good, happy medium. There was an, uh, you know, um, an old, old film um, that just kind of like sparked my my memory right now um, it was basically a film about um, some circus folk right uh, I think it's like 1931 or 1932 or 1938 I can't remember it's an old black and white uh, film called Freaks and um, um, every single person uh, in that that in the character all the characters that were in that film by the way, it was a controversial film and it was banned for many, many years. Uh, that film right there um, had, you know, a double amputee uh, called the Human Worm. 
uh, no, I mean literally, there was all these, you know, bearded lady, things like that, you know, and so, um, but it would, it's that old mentality of like, here's a circus, traveling circus, and we're going to exploit the disabilities or some of the, um, you know, um, genetic, genetic mutations or whatever it may be, um, uh, people uh, to capitalize on and, and make money off of them. And um, so that's very different from what you're talking about in terms of um, the portrayal uh, by individual actors and things like that. But at the same time, it just kind of sparked my memory of this. And so um, it was very interesting. Anyway, um, so what else? Uh, you know, um, I, I don't know if you want to start. I, I kind of wanted to talk about Freaks a little oh, bit because okay. I did some uh, research into that. And it was really interesting because... Yes, um, the movie was about circus people and like, actors. It gave actors a job with deformities, although it was, yeah, um, with yeah, actors with deformities a job, which doesn't tend to happen as often because on film everyone's really pretty and beautiful. And it was a like a revenge story. Yeah, and it was so interesting because apart from just the circus, um, it had like a whole plot of um, just because I thought it was so interesting because it kind of represented what was going on a little bit I think could have been in society um, where everyone views the circus freaks as like oh they're freaks or whatever um, and so there's this woman she's like the acrobat she's not one of the freaks but ever so everyone's kind of wary of her but then she falls in love with the dwarf or she lets him think she falls in love with him because she's trying to take advantage of him right. complete um, exploitation of, of yeah. the situation yeah. and then eventually uh, she tries to kill him multiple times and then the freaks kind of have enough of this they're like excuse me and so they go on this bloody murder spree and they like eventually turn her into the freak that you see at the beginning of the movie that's referred to as the most uh, like disgusting of them all. And that's so interesting because it shows how even though the audience or you know just people in society may view others who are different as freaks, they don't view themselves that way. And they expect people who do um, want a relationship with them, um, like they're fine with reaching out, they're people. But if people are going to come in and try to manipulate them, they are human. They are going to get revenge. It's just sort of like a story of like equals, even just with the plus, the themes of of that. And it was it's, so it's fascinating, right? It's fascinating. I know. And so when I first watched that uh, that film many years ago, I mean, I, I think um, there were so many things that were running through my mind about um, you know where this was taking me. Like so, no, honestly, like you know, uh, is this a karma film? Is this a revenge film? Is this a, is this a um, message to society? Is this a interpretation of society? Is this it's dramatized for entertainment? What's going on? Yeah, and but I I think that the message that um, I believe it was Todd Browning uh, was trying to do uh, was trying to tell us was you know um, we're all equal we're all people um, and if you don't treat us with respect uh, equally um, you know in the end no matter how long it takes karma will come back and, and get you yeah and also um, he just sort of like embodied what uh, I think, to me, he just really embodied just the spirit of what I hope more modern films with disabilities will like embody, that we're all human and connected through what makes us human and not what we look like or, you know. Which will lead us to like Twilight Zone episodes and things like that. <laughs> anyway, um, but we're running out of time. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, it's been awesome. And I uh, can't wait to hear the next podcast. Thank you so much.
Gonzalez and I'm here with Rebecca Kuhn and today we will be talking about deepfakes. Yeah, so um, first we're going to be responding to the question for our media studies class. Um, what are deepfakes and when did they start? Um, my understanding of deepfakes is they they are fake uh, like visual feeds that you can pretty much manipulate to be video or pictures of a person built together by um, hours of analyzing like data of them on the internet, which is pretty easy to find nowadays. Um, and they're, what's so special about them is that they're imperceptible to the naked human eye, so uh, you cannot tell the difference visually. Um, and the, a recent major incident about deepfakes uh, was April 17, 2018. BuzzFeed was demonstrating the power of deepfakes when they posted a video of President Obama talking about um, cyber safety. As, as his opening quote said, uh, we're entering an era in which our enemies can make anyone say anything at any point in time. Which is very relevant, seeing as the entire video was a deepfake of someone who was not President Obama giving a presidential speech in the official presidential office. <laughs> uh, my understanding of deepfakes is when you use, like, how they're made is basically... It could involve many things, as in putting like a black marker onto your face and then having a camera right in front of your face over your head and having it like represent all your features and then that goes through all computer magic. And one of the, when, when they did start, um, one recent incident was like around 2012. It was like, I guess you could say an adult film which was very disturbing. Um, the next question, Oh, yeah, okay. I just got yeah. that. <laughs> the next question is, um, have we seen this technology before? Um, I believe we haven't. It actually just started recently since our time is evolving with technology and um, it keeps evolving today. Yeah, well, um, um, I'd have to differ with you a little bit on that. Um, I believe we've seen this technology before in the film industry as we watch our movies. It's the same technology that you see with the, the, the actors dressed in blue, um, skin-tight suits with the little uh, golf balls taped all over their bodies. Um, it's the same kind of movie magic that turns Mark Ruffalo into the Hulk for Avengers and Benedict Cumberbatch into a dragon for Smog in The Hobbit. Um, but this technology, as it can be applied to fantastical creatures, just like costumes, they can also be applied to everyday human life, which is what we're starting to see now. Uh, uh, who coined the term deepfakes? Going back to those adult films you mentioned. <laughs> yeah. My understanding of where the name came from, I think there's lots of rumors out there. I read in an article that deepfakes were coined because uh, there was a second usage, like a major usage of uh, deepfakes, um, was after the BuzzFeed video about President Obama. There was this dude, I don't remember his username, he went into the dark net, like deep, inter deep in the internet, um, and he was using them deepfakes to put uh, celebrities' faces on pornos <laughs> or adult films, um, and then because it was fake, it was dubbed a deep fake. I believe I think Demi Lovato was someone who almost lost her career over it. Yeah, I, I read something similar to that as well. Um, like in those adult films, usually it's mostly more on the face instead of like the actual 
you know, the whole body. You know, rest of, yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, who are the concerns regarding deepfakes in relation to Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube? Oh, that's me? Okay. Um, it's concerns regarding, yeah. Um, I believe it's just going to start popping up that um, you can really manipulate anything you see. And even though deepfakes do take a lot of hours and time, there are applications readily available, like apps you can download, browsers you can pull up on your computer. It's so easy to make one if you put in the time and effort. And um, I think we're just going to go, we're traveling backwards in... Um, we're not gonna have that idea anymore that seeing is believing because anything you see visually on, on a screen can be realistically and easily manipulated. Um, well, I've seen many, many pictures on Instagram since I'm active a lot on social media. Like, you see these Instagram models, you know, and then you start wondering, is that actually real? Is that the real person? Like, for example, let's take Selena Gomez. It was, I think, a recent post that they had posted Selena Gomez into, into they made her face onto, like, an obese woman. And which was, like, no one really believed that, but then they started questioning, is this real? Is this, is it not real? Like, they, many questions started to pop up. Um, how do you spot deepfakes? Ooh, uh, that's a good one. Um, one thing that I've noticed that's the most effective pattern that I read about online on websites like CNN News and um, other ones that did editorials on um, deepfakes is that the one thing that technology cannot reproduce is the natural blood flow in the human body. So normally deep fakes, the blood flow will look different or patchy in some areas, maybe like the person's wearing blush or just it won't be evenly. So if you're watching a video of someone, um, they should have like more of a normal looking pattern. But if you're not really paying attention to that, it's almost imperceptible. Yeah, and plus there's sometimes there's like mostly glitches in it. Like every once in a while you'll be like, like watching a fake one and then there'll be like a glitch on the face. It'll turn like green or sometimes into a black color or something, something, something even little. Mm -hmm. Where are they being utilized? I believe they're mainly being utilized um, on the internet. Uh, currently, I don't think that we've had big threats so far to having to do with deep fakes, but I know that for sure there is a definite uh, like program starting in the Pentagon to try to prevent um, you know, presidential fraud in film and like news fraud and stuff where it can really get dicey. Yeah, especially in, you said politics, right? As in Trump? Sure, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely an area where it's applicable. Yeah. Um, like, like I said, also, it's mostly social media, adult films. Um. Oh, also jokes. Like there was recently um, at the Golden Globes, they swapped um, I think there was an older celebrity's face onto Jennifer Lawrence's during her acceptance speech. It was oh, very yeah. funny. I saw that. <laughs> um, maybe like a lighter side to the shenanigans of deep fakes. <laughs> yeah. Um, what are some concerns you have regarding deep, deep fakes? Um, recently in history, we've been studying the 70s and how television really revolutionized the trust that people had in um, 
you know, just kind of what they believed. They could really trust television. Like, they started seeing Vietnam for the first time. Kennedy won the elections because of television. Um, just the world was revolutionized by this idea that you could trust what you saw on screen, and it just broadened your world. But now, we're starting to go back to those times um, where you don't know everything. Yeah. Um, you can't be sure what you see on the screen, and I feel that change that change is going to be hard for a lot of people. And I think it's important to note that change because if we don't, um, we can definitely get misled and in a lot of trouble. Um, well, what I think, I feel like um, someone could be using that all that technology and put it on like someone someone famous, but who's been like. I guess, like, let's take, for example, like, Malcolm X. He created, like, the, the Black Panthers, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And he, like, let's say, he, um, they Photoshop, or, sorry, they, <laughs> <laughs> they do that deep fake onto him, and, like, they made, they make, they make him say, like, the same, same words and everything, like, on a different person. And that could also start, like, many riots, fights, and if they don't realize if it's real or not. Yeah, I mean, I think there was an article I read where um, a politician was talking about in her hometown there was a period of tension recently, um, racial tension because there were riots on both sides, um, and she realized that if someone had used a deep fake to take some sort of, um, you know, to make one of the government officials or you know city officials say something that they didn't, no one would have asked questions. It just would have been violence and riots and chaos. It would have gotten a lot worse. Thankfully, nothing, no full riots broke out. It was it was like a cold war kind of situation. Yeah. Um, any any closing comments before we end it? I think I gave all my view. No, I'm good. All right, signing off.